Tech fans, it's time for Up With The White and Gold. He's GT John Watts. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This is Impact Media's weekly drive right past the varsity. I still see you, Coach. Still see you, Coach. Right through the varsity into Bobby Dodd Stadium for all things Georgia Tech football. We've got a ton of things to talk about tonight, so much so you already know how to follow the show. We're going to get right into it. How are you, John? I'm uh, doing all right. It was a pretty good weekend, and, uh, you know, we're coming up on a good holiday, so I'll go ahead and throw it out there to all the listeners. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, uh, and to my co-hosts over there as well. Yep, happy Thanksgiving for sure to everybody. I know everybody's going to uh, – or hopefully everybody is, is doing well and gets to at least see some family or, or at least, you know, remember the things they should be thankful for. That's what I always try to do this time of year. As we said, there is a lot to get into. We have head coaching candidates that we're going to get into. And, yes, even for you non-believers who have argued with me already in the last day and a half, probably two days, really, at the end of the show, we are going to give our three keys to victory that if these three things happen, and maybe even two of the three, there is, I give it about a 30 or 35% chance that Georgia Tech can beat Georgia this weekend. Hopefully you did not click off the podcast when I just said that, but I promise you we are going to make a decent shot at a compelling case that Tech could beat Georgia. I mean, taking the biasness out of it, I think you kind of see there's, there's a little more outside chance too, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, like I said, we'll talk about it later, but there are some key areas that we could um, definitely work on controlling. But, um, but definitely could be. I mean, I know everyone's yeah. looking at what's historically, you know, we lost 45 enough last year, and it's been a little while since we did beat them. But, yeah, there's always a, uh, definitely a chance there. I mean, without going full religious with this, um I'm pretty sure Goliath was undefeated before he met David. So, you know, there's always that outside chance. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we have not like we lose all the time to them. I mean, we, I mean historically, we have beat them before, so it's not, um, it's not unreasonable to think that we couldn't. I mean, and I mean, it's you know, it's it's right there with how many people had either on their bingo card or or had in their predictions that Keon White would sack UNC three times. I mean, I I didn't see that happening, and yet Keon White proved us all wrong. I mean, been twenty sixteen. Um, when we beat them uh, in football, so when it's not like it's that far away, it's not like the long history that we um, that it's been. I mean, it's twenty twenty two now, so I mean, we do have several wins over the last decade against them. So yeah, I mean, definitely it's not unreasonable. I mean, this was a UNC squad that came in not only number thirteenth ranked in the country, but they were nine and one. I had said earlier, I saw them earlier in the year and, and Georgia tech gave them a game. I mean, not Georgia tech, Georgia state gave them a game, but come up a little short, but uh, Georgia tech apparently listened to our podcast because they, they very much listened to a lot of the keys we said and made those things happen. And, and uh, 
you know, what were your overall takes of the game? I think, uh, I mean, definitely it's well, pretty much a, a two-sided game there. Um, you look at you know, UNC kind of coming out strong, and you think, well, here we go. Um, it's just not going to go well, and then something lit a fire under them, and they're like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And I was straight running out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some key areas in the beginning that, you know, it's just UNC did what they were, people expected they were going to do. This is a team that's already locked up their uh, spot in the ACC championship last week, the two minutes before. Um, so everyone expected them just to run it out, and that's what it looked like in the game. And then, you know, then they kind of took care of business after that. And it's that kind of mentality you kind of seen a little bit of the last Saturday games of, you know, they start to want to play more once they get under pressure. Um, it sucks that that happens. That, you know, they're down 17 to nothing, and that's when you decide to play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're going to come up against schools. Which, I mean, if you go down 17 to UGA, it's going to be a bit harder to come out of that hole. But, well, of course, something we'll talk about later. But, yeah, I mean, I think overall, uh, I mean, of course, in the end, we got to win and um, improved to five and six. So, we've got another, another win on the season. Um, that puts, you know, four wins for Brent Key. So now Brent Key has more wins in less games than Jeff Collins had in the last three years. It's each season. So, I mean, he's definitely doing a good job. Um, I mean, taking the team from one and three under Collins, and you know, he's gone you know, now you know, four and three. So, I mean, definitely he um, had a, kind of a hard thing handed to him, and they're doing all right kind of finish it out. So, I think overall, yeah, definitely a good game to walk away with. Well, and here's another thing for, for Coach Key is he's done it with four different quarterbacks. He has had up to four different people taking snaps at the quarterback position in the short time he's been in charge of this team. And yet, like you said, he's got four wins. That's I mean, I almost want to retract part of my statement last week and say, if he gets this team to a bowl, I got to kind of consider him a, a, one of the top couple candidates. I mean, do we not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, saying you take over a team that's one and three, we've been missing, I mean, a lot of years since we've come close to even think about the ball game. And you're saying if they go to a bowl game, meaning they beat UGA, which in itself is a feat. But yeah, definitely. I mean, if he could do that and make his bowl eligible, yeah, definitely he has to be in consideration. I mean, you know, you may qualify for something like the Minute Bowl, but at the same time, I mean, getting to a bowl at this point, I mean, you know, we just said before we come on here that uh, that, that team that we also cover here just a couple streets over – they're out of bowl contention. So the fact that you're still in it right now, I mean, that that looks pretty good. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it could be the Kellogg cereal bowl or the Clorox toilet bowl, but, you know, I'm in the bowl game. 
It could be the Snoop Dogg flying high bowl for all we know. <laughs> I mean, Snoop Dogg's probably got some other kind of bowl going on, but no, that's not for this not for this podcast. I hear I hear he's a shredded wheat guy. That's that's what I hear. So it's a shredded wheat bowl for for uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you said Kellogg's. I mean, I I, I can't. I don't think they do shredded wheat, but I I heard he was a shredded wheat guy. So we'll go with that. But yeah, like you said, it's it's funny that they had to wait. You know, it's it's that Forrest Griffin from the UFC thing where uh, he would be he was an okay fighter, but he was like one of the best fighters on the planet once he tasted his own blood. I never understood why that needed to happen, but sometimes I guess you just got to be woken up or backed into a corner to to want to come out fighting. I mean, North Carolina opens it up by uh, by a uh, Elijah Green eighty yard run for a touchdown. I mean that that kind of just is a slap a little bit, and then uh, they get the field goal, and then Elijah Green pops another one in, and then. I guess Elijah Green went to uh, take me up on my offer at the varsity. Unfortunately, I was not there, so he spent the entire second half clearly looking for me at the varsity and didn't do anything else for North Carolina. And Georgia Tech come alive and, and found a way to put three scores on the board. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what we said a minute ago. You know, it's with more than three minutes left in the half, they were up 17 to nothing. Um, and then. After that, they they didn't even get a hundred yards of offense the rest of the game. So something, you know, it's, it's weird. I mean, we got a guy, you know, Drake May, who had possibly been a very Heisman contender as a redshirt mm-hmm. freshman, didn't score a touchdown, and had his season low two hundred two yards passing. So they up and up, and then like I said, just nothing. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of weird. The, the and talent, looking at Elijah I yeah, I was going to say, looking at Elijah Green's line, uh, you know, he had the 80-yard run. I told you he had the, the one-yard run, so there's 81. He only had uh, into two touchdowns. He only finished with 92 yards. So in eight carries for 11 yards, that was the rest of his day, which means Georgia Tech just completely shut him out. Yeah. And so after he got his eighty-yard rushing score on the first play from scrimmage, the rest of the night they only had two hundred eighty-five yards and ten points after that. So yeah. really, you know, toward the end of that first half, X saw something, or somebody woke up, and figured something out, and <laughs> you know, you know, like like I said. Um, our safety on Miles Brooks said, you know, if you get the team, if the team get all the way down there and come out with three points, that's something satisfying. But if we got no points, that's even better. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely did. Um, like I said, defense is something that only a few people have, limited those play, big plays, and they did great in the red zone. So it's got a little bit Hell do have, but you know, starting in the second quarter, so interesting, interesting game, for sure. Yeah, and and I'm gonna kind of go back a little bit on something I said before the show. Um, 
I, I still don't know what the answer for this team is at quarterback, but I also don't know what they're going to be next year. Uh, but, you know, I, I got to give Zach Gibson credit, actually, for, you know, he's the third string. He probably doesn't even think he's going to get to play this year. And not only did he get to back up for a couple games, but now he's starting the rest of the year because you have one quarterback who seemingly doesn't want to play anymore for Georgia Tech, or at least for this coach. Uh, you have another one who wants to, but his body is too busted up and he's not medically cleared. So you turn it over to the number three and number four guys and kind of in what was our second key last week because it was the one I did and I remember it. Uh, I, I said use Gibson as kind of the Drew Brees as, as the normal stand there and, and deliver from the pocket quarterback and use uh, Taysom, Taysom Fumacon. I hope I said that right. But uh, use him as kind of the Taysom Hill role, and it seems like they did that. Uh, he he threw a couple passes, including the interception, but he's also the fourth-string quarterback, so I, I, haven't, I don't have much of an issue with him throwing an interception because why in the world is the fourth-string even playing? But in this case, he had to. Yeah, if you're down to your fourth-string, you, you know what kind of year you're having, but yet here they are hanging on to the edge of, of being six and six and, and uh, he actually rushed for a touchdown and had 44 yards as well. I mean, he was the second leading rusher on the team behind Hall. Yeah. And it wasn't that far up. I mean, Hall only had, the Hall had 47 yards and Tyson Fumicon had 44. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So he said, I mean, yeah, I did throw that interception, but just so did North Carolina. So their first string quarterback threw the interception. So it's not that big. It didn't overall affect the you know the game too much. So I mean, it was a good thing. Um, I know you kind of mentioned um, your your keys to the game last week and um, kind of talking about quarterbacks. And I said if we could kind of control the quarterback. Yep. I, I would say defense getting six sacks is a way to control the quarterback. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, and I remember what the other one is. I gotta let me try to find that stat real quick. It was okay. They were pretty even in that. But hey, I, if you're even in this, they both turned the ball over once. They both threw an interception. Both teams threw an interception. I would say that at that point, I call that a win in the turnover battle. So they hit all three of our keys. Yeah. I mean, both teams did, you know, have fumbles, but it wasn't one they lost, so it didn't really affect their that turnover. So, again, it's kind of even. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely um, good there. I mean, they weren't, they weren't negative, so. Yeah. And all three scores were on the ground. It was, uh, what, Devontae Smith in his name? Yeah. Dante. Dante Smith. Dante Smith. It was Hall and Fumicon. So, if I would have told you that, hey, it's 17 to nothing UNC at halftime, and two quarters later at the end of this game, it's 21 to 17, Georgia Tech wins, you would have thought for some reason, okay, there's probably a kick return or a busted punt coverage. Uh, there's there's probably, uh, you know, Gibson probably threw for like 250 yards. He got a couple like big, you know, 75 yard touchdown throws or something, and then you find out. 
they only totaled 186 yards on the ground, but they scored three times on the ground. This this just may be what Georgia Tech, instead of doing the triple option, you could still be a run-centric team and still make it work, at least based off this roster. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I said when they have, I mean, when you have four guys getting 36 or more yards rushing, um, and one of those is your fourth-string quarterback, I mean, definitely yeah. it's a good I mean, 186 yards rushing, three touchdowns. I think uh, you know, it was a pretty good, pretty good day. I mean, do they game. have another quarterback on the roster? Real quick. No, they don't. Uh-oh. That, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, just, just thought I'd glance, just in case there's, you know, some some random, you know, the the secretary's cousin or something that's on the team, but. That's that's good to know that you're down to your last two quarterbacks. But, uh, yeah. like I said, it, this not only sets up kind of you guys being a little bit of a spoiler in the um, ACC, but you knocked off the number 13 team, and you're one game away from potentially being back in a bowl. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a good day. I mean, when people – and try to count, count you out and say you're not going to do anything and then oh, wait, put up a score a game like that. I mean, yeah, we're five and six, but you know, people still are okay. I mean, there's something, something going on down there. They're figuring yeah. it out. They're doing something. Right? I mean, let's see. They... They could technically – well, no, they're pretty much where they are. They could basically the – ba- the best they could do is be tied for second in the um, Coastal ACC Conference because they are at 4-4, four and four, Duke and Pitt are at 4-3, and three, and then UNC, you handed them their only conference loss. Or yeah. yeah, they're six and one. They still have, yep. all three of those teams still have another game, but at absolute best, you could be tied for second. But uh, that's still amazing that you went five hundred in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, starting the season at one three overall, we were able to do five hundred in the ACC, and a chance of being five hundred overall. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, Coming out the hole there. Yeah, I was going to say, Coach Key, uh, you, you should definitely hit me up and we should go have lunch and talk about this. I mean, even, I mean, I know five and seven would be a losing record, but even still, I mean, just what we've been looking at over the start of the last years, I mean, they've still been in the prison, but so, I mean. I mean, it, I mean, to make a NASCAR reference, you basically started uh, the Daytona 500 down 10 laps and you finished fifth and you're just like, how did, I don't know how that happened, but I mean, if you guys finish even five and seven, like you're saying, it's literally like starting 10 laps down in a NASCAR race and you somehow ended up in the top five. It's just, that's astounding how they got here. So I mean, that either tells you one, that we're doing something two, no one else is or her little boat, <laughs> but I mean, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I could, I could, we could use part of that argument for the ACC. Uh, just 
one is a unforeseen circumstance and uh you know thoughts and prayers to to those people but uh that actually their season didn't really affect you all that much anyway but uh yeah there was a couple people that are normally up that were down but you guys are by the looks of it right in the middle of the conference and there is going to be a lot of bowl teams coming out of the ACC. I currently count six of the seven out of the Atlantic uh, side of the ACC and three that are guaranteed in from the Coastal right now with you guys in Miami one win away from potentially adding two more. So it could be a very ACC-heavy bowl season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you slightly touched on it. That some schools didn't affect our outcome, but do want to give a you know, kind of a shout out and thoughts to uh, Virginia. Uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech have canceled their game. Yep. Um, in honor, you know, for them, and we kind of saw last week a lot of schools were wearing colors. Virginia Tech and Liberty wore the navy and orange with their flag. So. Um, thoughts out to uh, University of Virginia there. Um, but, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you've got UNC, Pittsburgh, Duke, uh, all already bowl eligible overall. Um, pretty much everyone but Boston College on the Atlantic <laughs> is bowl eligible. Um, <laughs> the fighting Matt Ryan. Yeah, right. And, and it's funny. Because like, I, I, I I'm I, but I dare people all the time to name somebody other than Matt Ryan who has played for that team in the last 20 years. I'd have to Google it, and I'd probably be like, oh, they play me. <laughs> I'm going to look it up while you're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the thing that in the beginning, it was really, you know, anybody's game for the ACC. Um, and still, I mean, got all, all the candidates. I mean, Syracuse was a, a front runner for a while, and they're next to last in the ACC Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you never know. ACC, you know, it's not 90s anymore. It's not, you know, Miami or uh, Florida State, back and forth. Uh, you know, Florida State had a great year. Um, they're, you know, second in the Atlantic. Miami, uh, about as good as we did. They're, they're a spot below us in the coastal, but yeah, I mean, year to year, Atlantic, ACC, you never know. So, it's, like I said, we could we could finish second. Uh, you never know. You depend on what Pittsburgh do to. All I can come up with for this year for Boston College is they've got a receiver named. I lost it. What is it? Zay. Say something. There's Zay, Zay Flowers that they say is a lot like the Jets, Elijah Mitchell, and will probably get drafted very high. And he's almost got a thousand yards, so uh, good, good for him. Yeah, I mean, apparently he's the only guy they throw to. <laughs> <laughs> he has seventy uh, receptions, nine hundred and sixty-seven yards, and ten touchdowns. And they do have a wide receiver, Griffin Jr., who has five touchdowns. Uh, but beyond that, the second best receiver they have has about 
50 less receptions and about 600 less yards. I know. They really like their flowers. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's just it, it's been a little while since probably someone like Matt Ryan or a uh, Doug Flutie played for Boston College. <laughs> yeah. Could say, oh. um, we've got Matt and Tim Hasselbeck. Uh, That's true. I forgot about them. <laughs> Art, Art Donovan. Oh, I'm sure he sells insurance or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, Bill Romanowski. Oh, yeah, Romo. And that's about all I can think of, even though Wikipedia likes to list a whole bunch of notable players. Yeah, I don't worry about half of them. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, if, if, if you don't know who they are, then I probably don't either, so. Right, but, like looking up Alton County on Wikipedia, like famous people or like some random uh, star. Um <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For people who don't know, that's that's our that's our home county, where where we're both technically more, I guess, more from. Uh, yeah. And and if you look up Halton County, you will probably get uh, Travis Tritt, the country music star, and uh, I'm not sure what else you would get after that. Ray Trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. Big boss man. Forgot we got to claim him. Uh, no, but yeah, you're you know, you know, speak. But I was about to say, speaking of, of uh, big boss man and hard times, uh, seems like Georgia Tech has gotten through some hard times, and they, I mean, you know, like we said, they're they're the one win away. Uh, they get the big win there, and uh, that will pretty much move us into the fun conversation coming up on the other side of the break. All right. So, without further ado, because, hey, we got a new ad read, and it was so much fun to do, by the way. At some point, i got to drag you in on one of these things. Uh, but <laughs> as you look to the new ad read for our friends at BetOnline.net, make sure to go visit them. They have all the great articles, all the great podcasts, the, the betting, the wagering lines, all the things like that. I'm about to tell you a lot more about it right now. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact York from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Up With the White and Gold, ECT John Watts. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. We want to welcome you guys back. As always, check out BetOnline.net for the podcast, the wagers, the betting lines, the articles, all the stuff that will make you a smarter, more well-informed fan, even if you cannot or do not wager on games it's totally cool go there you get all kinds of great information you can be the smartest person at your family reunion which you may already be but this way you'll be a lot smarter about the games you watch uh before we t- uh, before the break we uh, talked about the great win that georgia tech had over unc and now as we always like to do let's get into a couple more head coaching candidates and before i turn it over to you for your candidate, I want to say that we can all but 
officially take Deion Sanders off the list. He is a apparently he has had preliminary talks with Colorado, uh, I think Auburn and Florida Southern, Southern Florida, whichever whichever order yep. they put those two words. And it seems like he is kind of in the final three candidates for uh, South Florida and for Colorado. Uh, sorry, Auburn fans. I, he doesn't want to take a step down, so he's not going to your school. But uh, it so to me, of the list of places that it seemed like he was still a top candidate of, none of them were in Atlanta. So I think we can take him off the the, uh, the uh, Yellow Jacket list. Yep. Uh, read that earlier, you know, on a Auburn post that they were he was kind of running for elsewhere. Um, I, I would, I mean, Colorado would be all right, but I think, you know, him being where he's where he's been, South Florida would probably be a better spot for him. But you know, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yep, because uh, he knows how to recruit in Florida. He knows how to play in Florida, and uh, it's. Yeah, Auburn fans, uh, you can be mad at me all you want, but you're probably getting Lane Kiffin, so kiss it. <laughs> Lane Kiffin is is probably the person you need, so you should be happy that you're that you're probably going to get Lane Kiffin. But that's other things, that's other speculation. Let's get into, uh, I guess, Georgia Tech speculation, and who is your next candidate? Um. Kind of weird connection with game coming up. Uh, I know the school that um, kind of held Georgia pretty close early in the game. Um, I'm looking at uh, Kent State head coach Sean Luce. Hmm. Um, you know, he's been, I mean, fairly well there. I mean, Kent State history um, wasn't that great. I know and Sean comes along and you know, two out of the four bowl games that Kent State's ever been at have been under you know, Sean Lewis. Uh, first bowl game win they've ever had has been under Sean Lewis. Um, and like I said, you know, we all saw what they did against Georgia earlier in the season. Um, I mean, people thought that, I mean, it looked like it was a possibility that Kent State could have been, beat Georgia earlier in the season. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, historically, I mean, he understands football. He's, you know, a quarterback and a tight end at Wisconsin. Um, and he's coached, you know, in high school. He's coached in Division II, Nebraska, Omaha. Um, he was a grad assistant in Akron, um, wide receiver, tight end coach, Eastern Illinois. Um, under uh, Dino Babbers, who's currently the head coach of the Syracuse, I was going to talk about a little bit earlier in, in this show. Um, and then, you know, um, Babbers went on to go be the head coach of Bowling Green, um, and Lewis followed him there, and then uh, become a co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Then when Babbers left for Syracuse, uh, Lewis was a co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Um, and then Kent State offered him a head coach job. Um, so Lewis has been at Kent State since 2018, um, and you know, it felt like they they could do something there. Um, Kent State 
from 2012 to 2018, did win more than four games. Um, seems kind of similar to Georgia Tech in the last couple of years. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I showed a little bit early on, but like, like I said, uh, we go on to finish, you know, six and six, and they played in the first bowl game. Um, and they beat Utah State in the Frisco Bowl. Uh, and then you know, he's been taking them to kind of bowl games. Um, in 2021, they finished seven and five, and they would win the East Division in the MAC for the first time since 2012. Um, unfortunately, we would lose the conference game and the bowl game, but you know, as a bowl game for the second time in three years for a school who struggles historically. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, um, what he's been able to do, you know, there at you know Kent State, um, I know. The team is currently three and five. So looking at three of those losses are Washington, Oklahoma, and Georgia. I mean, they're not, you know, easy school. They're not small conference there. I mean, they're going against powerhouses. Powerhouses. Is that word? Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So, I mean, not doing a bad job there. I mean, he's got an offensive uh, system that's similar to what, you know, the running at Tennessee. Um, so, I mean, he could bring, you know, that kind of offense to Georgia uh, Tech and look at, look at more uh, building up those points. I mean, having more of an exciting offense and entertaining. And, you know, I think based on what he's been able to do at Kent State, that he could really kind of move move to a, a power five school and work at Tech. One thing you'd like is the jump in salary because I'd be willing to bet it probably doubles from what he's making at Kent State to, to being at, at Georgia Tech. And if it doesn't, then he should hire me as his um, as his agent because I could easily get him double. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at it. I'm not going to say it out loud. That is, I know it's public knowledge, but that is not up to me to say out loud. Right. <laughs> so there we go, Sean Lewis. Welcome to the party. Already in progress. Uh, looks like it's going to be going for a while, at least for, I would say, potentially two more weeks. If not, if they make a bowl, then longer than that. Because, I mean, you kind of don't want to name a head coaching candidate before the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that was... yeah go ahead. No, I'm just bringing whatever, whatever, whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't know if that's always good. That could be detrimental to your health sometimes. But all right, well let's uh let's let's go up to uh from from somebody who could be a golden flash turning into a yellow jacket. How about somebody with the name Golden? I'm gonna talk about Al Golden. Al Golden is the current defensive coordinator for a little known group called the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Don't know if you've seen their uh, defense this year, but they're pretty dang good. They uh, they are beating some really, really good teams. Um, he's done everything from coach at Temple, where he had a really good run. That got him the – I think that got him the Miami job, and then he was fired from Miami, but Miami doesn't know what it's doing. So, you know, you can't really do that. And for everybody who also says – well, I mean, what's he done since getting fired as head coach at Miami? I don't know. He's uh, coached for the Lions, 
for a couple years, the Bengals, and then he got the Irish job out of that. So, yeah, he's not been slumming it. He's been doing pretty good. But um, he has won the MAC East Division, just like a uh, guy you just mentioned, Sean Lewis. He was the MAC Coach of the Year in 2009. And I feel like he wants to update his head coaching record. Do you happen to know what his record is? Uh, I do not. What would that be? It would be 59 yeah. wins and 59 losses. I think it would be 500. Yep. So, I mean, he uh, he already has the perfect record to come along to the 500 squad here. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, former player, he's uh, played at Penn State. So, I mean, it seems to me that he's going to, as far as recruiting, it's going to be more up north than anything. But, you know, it seems like at the at the end of the day, he's he's got a lot of the pedigree that I think he could do quite kind of well because I always kind of considered Notre Dame to be kind of ACC squad. I mean, it, it's not like you know that they couldn't hang with other things. It's nothing like that. It's just that Notre Dame plays a very ACC heavy schedule in almost all their sports. I think football is the only one that they won't officially do between them yeah. and he already knows. He kind of knows the ACC. He knows what he's getting into. He knows more of the up north area, which means it would be important for him to hire a staff that knows the south a little more. But, you know, it also helps recruiting tool-wise to go, hey, I used to be at – I used to play at Penn State. I used to coach at Notre Dame. I think I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't agree there. Uh, you mentioned – you know, ACC, I mean, you're talking to a guy who has been a graduate assistant at Virginia, linebacker coach at Boston College, defensive coordinator mm-hmm. at Virginia, head coach at Miami, and defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I mean, what, one, yeah. two, three, four ACC schools? And, yes, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, Notre Dame is ACC, everything but football, so we're going to call it a, an ACC school. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Definitely, I mean, he understands the area. I mean, he was – I mean, yeah, maybe a little up, up north for a lot of it, but, I mean, that, that's fine. I mean, it's not like you don't see uh, more players come play down south. Right. But, yeah, yeah I definitely agree that he can uh, do pretty, pretty well there. I mean, and, see, here's the crazy thing. He's a defensive coordinator, yet – he played tight end as a player. So he understands the offense and the defense. Seems like to me he's going to be about the offensive and defensive lines in the trenches because the tight end is not only there for blocking, but he's also there for, for coming out for passes. And, and, you know, now they do end arounds and, and the tight end is one of the most versatile positions in the game. So with his knowledge and, you know, he played for the Patriots and for him being with the Lions and the Bengals, he's seen what the pro game looks like up close. He saw what works there. So he'll be able to, to look when he's recruiting and to, to mold some of these young men that are going to come in to Georgia Tech and, and to kind of go, all right, here's what works. If you want to be this good or if you want to play on another level, here's what's going to work. Here's what we're going to do. And having an, an offense and a defensive-minded person, that, that makes it to where he's going to be a head coach He's going to let his coordinators coordinate. So I, I kind of like that idea. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back a little bit from the playing days, understanding, you know, how the – what needs to be done. I mean, it's a, a rich variety of award, a player who – excellent scholarship, sportsmanship, friendship, leadership. Uh, he was a captain of the, the 1991 Nittany Lions, uh, who – we ended up finishing number three that year with a BSL ball win over Tennessee. So, I mean, he definitely understands, you know, not only what it is to be an excellent player. Uh, you mentioned he's a defensive coordinator. And he played tight end. He's a defensive coordinator. He's a linebacker's coach, head coach, offensive coordinator. You know, he, he understands both sides of the ball. And, uh, I think definitely it would be uh, a good fit. Yeah, seems like he would be a good captain of any ship, maybe the SS Yellow Jacket. <laughs> SS Ramblin' Wreck. But, yep, SS Ramblin' Wreck. Never has been a more appropriate nickname. <laughs> but today's episode may be called Golden because you talk about the current Golden Flashes head coach. I talk about a guy named Golden. So maybe what can help the Yellow Jackets is a little more gold. Yeah, I mean, it might be called yellow jackets, but our official color is old gold. Yeah. So there's our new candidates. Now we get into the fun part where you guys are going to call it crazy and probably other names that I will not repeat because my mother listens to this show. You guys can get ashamed to yourself that you say words like that. But it is to the point of the game, or point of the game. Yeah, it's a game tonight. The point of the show where we know who the opponent is. Georgia Tech is going to face the UGA Bulldogs. We know that. Uh, Where is that game? Is that game in Atlanta or Athens? Um, I'm looking it up now. uh, Oh, it is in Athens. Okay. Yeah. What a great time to have a game as well. It seems when all the big games are happening that day. It should be fun. And that's the way it always that is, is. Every Thanksgiving. That is a noon kickoff on ESPN. Wow. Good for ESPN. They they feature the Yellow Jackets on such an important game like that. I, I appreciate them doing that. Yeah. Great to have a little bit of clean, old-fashioned hate on ESPN. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I guess I guess they didn't have the rights to the other big games that are going on, so they took this one. I guess that that's probably what happened. So uh, bless your hearts, ESPN. But uh, this this should be a fun one. Now we know Georgia is ranked number one. They are absolutely the number one team in the country. Does not mean they cannot be beat. Uh, all top five. Uh, squads from last week had uh, really, really close calls. In fact, a couple of them actually lost their games. So there's a possibility that, you know, 5-6 and six can beat 11, 11-0 and 0 this week. And um, I will uh, turn the first one over to you. What is the first key to victory for Georgia Tech over Georgia this week? I think all looking over our season, we really going to have to control the, the running game. Um, we, if 
I mean, this season, if we allow a team to get 200 or more rushing yards, well, we're going to lose. Uh, we are 0-5. Um, wow. And honestly, 150 rushing yards, um, UNC is the only team we beat allowing 150 rushing yards. Um, and, you know, we know UGA's got some great runners. Um, mm-hmm. They got great players all over, but, you know, if we can somehow, you know, control that running game, um, and um, I think that'll, that'll definitely help us. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you're talking about people like uh, Milton McIntosh and Edwards that sound like a good law firm. Those are the uh, the three. I mean, there's there's a fourth. I for I, I forgot who he is, but uh, he's really good too. We'll just without me having to look him up. Just know that they have they have four horses in that stable of of uh, of a run game. They have. Um, there's a lot of directions I could go with this. I'm going to say for the second key, I think the game plan's got to be a lot like like last week, but you got to button up a couple things. Uh, at least as far as the quarterback game. Zach Gibson's who you need to roll out with. He needs to be the one throwing more of the passes. Uh, Tyson Fumacon needs to be kind of the – not really the change-up because if they start to see him, the Georgia players, after about the third time they see him on there, are just going to realize that he's probably going to run the ball. So you got to be – you can't be cute with your play call, but you got to be a little on the tricky side, a little on the sneaky side. Maybe a couple times have them both in the game, but or have him throw passes or have Gibson do design runs. There's different things that you could do, but I think that that kind of not really a two-headed attack because Gibson needs to be in there majority of the time. But you you run both quarterbacks the way you did this week with with some uh, some trickery, some some you know kind of random offbeat plays, and, and I think that's going to confuse this Georgia defense that is going to look to just crash in on you. When they crash in, go right past them. Like, run past them, throw it over their head, but they're going to come in crashing hard. I think using somebody like Fumacon is going to be to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. I know they're there. I mean, I saw last week where he's the number two rusher, um, so I mean, like I said, they're going to crash, so if we can somehow get him doing that again and get around that, then yeah, I think it'll definitely help us. Yep. And so that leaves us to key number three. What is key number three? Um, key number three, um, I think kind of what we've done a couple times during the season Um not let the who our opponent is get to our head. Um mm-hmm. ready to play any other game. Um I mean, yeah, we know coming in who it is, who they are, everyone in the world's seeing who they are. Um <laughs> but just play it like it's any other Saturday. Um I mean we did I mean people thought we were gonna lose last week. And we basically come out and win it. So don't, you know, call that jacket over your head and just play your game. Yeah. And maybe it's because Price is Right is on in the back of the studio. I'm going to give you a bonus key. I'm going to give you a bonus key that um, 
that it, it just popped in my head, but it's been one I've been thinking about ever since I knew this game was going to happen. And the bonus key is that, that the University of Georgia is very notorious for playing up, playing down, playing sideways, normally playing down to their competition because clearly there is a, a talent discrepancy between these two teams. We know that. But uh, they had close calls against Kent State, who we just mentioned their head coach. They had close calls, uh, was it Missouri or Kentucky? There's teams that they should easily be able to, to handle, and it's like for at least the first half, sometimes first three quarters, the Georgia Bulldogs played down to those comp- those that they're competing with, those other teams, and if they try to play Tech's game, Tech can win their game. And if they are allowed to hang around long enough, just like last week showed, if Georgia allows them to hang around long enough, Georgia Tech could find a way to score a couple late and actually take this. I mean, and clearly, I mean, like last week, you know, we, in the second half, we were the only one to score, you know, and mm-hmm. then uh, take it. Um, like I said, mentioned earlier, Kent, you said it again. You know, Kent State um, brought brought their game to them, um, and honestly, I mean, it didn't look great. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, if, if they're going to try to do that to us, then yeah, definitely they're going to um, come play. Um, like I said, said before, they're dealt with that possibility. We could come and play, and we could we could beat them. Yeah. I mean, this is a Georgia team who only scored 16 points, which was only 10 more than Kentucky did last week. This is a team that um, only beat Tennessee by by two scores. Now, you know, they, they, they beat them pretty much every facet of that game, but they, they should have ran over them even more. This is, um, this is also a Georgia team that beat Missouri by four points. And like we said with with Kent State, uh, they ended up beating them by 17, but that was only because of some late scores. Like I said, for some reason, Georgia in the previous years, as good as they've been, they did it last year too, they they tend to play down to their competition. And this is a Tech squad that I don't think you can do that and come out on the other side. If they're going to play Tech's game, like I said, I think Tech Tech could win it. Yeah, I mean, we'll just look at it last week. You know, they only won by ten against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, four, uh, won by four by over Missouri. Um, gave and they, and they gave up. They went up twenty-two points to Kent State, Missouri. Yeah, twenty to Florida, almost nineteen to Mississippi State. Well, there's that and chance there's, that they're looking ahead to their next game because their next game after this one is against LSU for the SEC championship, uh, what, next week. So there is that possibility that they just kind of forget about this game and, and get caught up in it. Yeah, definitely. Looking at LSU for the SEC championship, um, they're number one. They're looking at college playoffs, national championship again. So, yeah, they could definitely probably just kind of look past it and we could capitalize on that. Yep. So there you go. We gave you five keys. We you probably only need three, but if uh if 
I would say if two to three of those happen, then this game is going to be a lot closer than uh, previously thought by a lot of people. And we're not just doing it for the sake of this show because I I very much invite you to listen to our UGA show later this week, Hunker Down, where I'm going to bring a lot of these points up that this is a glaring weakness to me on this Georgia team as to the way sometimes they get caught looking ahead, sometimes they play down to their opponents, and uh, sometimes they they just underestimate their opponents, and that could happen. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I hope to see the line better than a 36 and a half that Yahoo has it. Um, ESPN's got, yeah, 35 and a half. And theirs is through, through, doesn't say any, oh, no, number, no, not it. I don't know who they do those through. I think it's DraftKings. Nope, Caesar Sportsbook. That's it. And the over-under is 49. Well, first off, I don't think Georgia is going to win by 35 or 36 or more. And uh, the over-under of 49, I would, I think I'd take the over. Yahoo just reposted from some other, so yeah, some news. They just not just a repost, but yeah, this one to cause football news has a line. Uh, Georgia thirty six and a half over under at forty eight point five. Yeah, but there you go, Tech fans. If uh, if we didn't just make the the best case possible for uh, this victory, then. Um, let me know who made a bigger case because I don't think there's anybody out there in the media who's going to make a, a bigger case for this to happen and to actually think that it could happen. You want my official picks? You'll have to tune into a, an entirely different show we have. But uh, as far as this goes, I, I'm going to give you every possibility of, of how Georgia can win, every possibility of how Georgia Tech can win. And I look forward to the game. I, I know you look forward to the game. It should be fun. Noon kickoff, as we said, on ESPN – that's uh that's basically like a, a prime time college spot. Yep. Well, it's right out the gate, first game of the day. Yep. It will be on at the same time as uh Michigan, Ohio State and Georgia State versus Marshall. So that will be a fun uh fun time. In fact, we no, may I mean, need I'll, to link up that day so that we have enough screens to watch them all. Right. I mean, if I ain't doing nothing, you're welcome over here. Well, there you go, fans. That's possibly what is going to happen so that we have enough <laughs> screens on on the, all the games that need to be watched. Three computers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's fire everything up. There will not be a bit of Wi-Fi safe in the in the greater – Western Georgia area. <laughs> but uh, you got anything else? No, uh, I think we're home pretty good. And uh, I apologize if you didn't censor this, but uh, I think it's going to be good to go. And uh, to hell with Georgia. <laughs> there you go. Coming straight from a not only a Tech fan, but a Tech graduate. Uh, but he's DT John Watts. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This has been Up With the White and Gold. We'll see you guys next week.
All right, good job. But again, Joe Jaggers.